Welcome to the Middle East Report Special Edition. I'm John Riley. Thank you for listening each week. I help you make sense of what's happening in that region through a biblical lens. Security threats, archaeological discoveries, biblical prophecy, just a few of the things that we cover each week. And the main purpose of the Middle East Report is to encourage you to read, study, and apply God's Word in your life. And I believe the best way to do that is to connect to the people places and geography of what we read in God's Word. And I love connecting with people in Israel. That is uh, so enjoyable for me. Today, I've got a special friend that's joining me from Israel, Dr. Erez Soraf. He was born in Israel. He lives there with his wife and three children. Uh, Dr. Erez holds a doctrinal degree in psychology, advanced training in Bible and theology, and he's the president of One for Israel. Uh, Erez, thank you for being such a good friend, and thank you for joining us here on the Middle East Report. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be with you. I appreciate your ministry so much, Erez. One for Israel. You guys have so many you know, different ministries, so many different things going on there in the land of Israel. And of course, you have a war going on there in the land of Israel. We're going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody who may not be familiar with One for Israel what you guys are doing there in the land of Israel. Well, thank you. So uh, we are a ministry of um, native-born Israelis. So it's kind of a grassroots-type ministry. And we are people that, you know, uh, Jewish people, later on some Arab brothers and sisters have joined us that are just excited about the fact, about our discovery that Yeshua, Jesus, is not just the Messiah of all the world, but also of the Messiah of Israel. And so our passion is to share the Word of God with our people, this good news. We do that through uh, digital media for the past uh, 15 years. We had an amazing response, more than, uh, you know, Israel is a country of 9 million people, and our Hebrew and Arabic videos have been viewed more than 70 million times. So just imagine how many studios, uh, stadiums you had to fill. And then we also have, um, we also run the only accredited Bible college in the country. So we are privileged to serve all the believers uh, in the land. Uh, we also have small ministry of humanitarian aid, a ministry to women, uh, ministry to soldiers in the IDF. Uh, you know, in the IDF, there are no chaplains. And so we function as an external chaplain for that matter and, and so on. So uh, all those things are going on. We recently added a uh, sports ministry to what we do. So all those things and everything is focused to help our people to hear about the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, and uh, turn their hearts towards Him. I want to encourage you to find out more about One for Israel. You can go to their website, oneforisrael.org, oneforisrael.org. This is a ministry of integrity. They do an awesome job there in the land of Israel. Now, you mentioned you know, what you're doing you know, for Yeshua, that's the Hebrew name of Jesus. Is this Jewish people reaching out to Jewish people? Is that an accurate way of looking at this? Absolutely. And and I'll tell you more than that. It makes all the difference in the world, uh, particularly in Israel. Now, Israelis are generally very curious. And um, I also want to encourage our non-Jewish listeners 
to to do the most Jewish thing they can, and that is share Yeshua, share the Messiah Jesus with their Jewish friends, neighbors, and co-workers. That's the most Jewish thing they can do. Now, as as some of our listeners, I'm sure, found out, when you do that, there's a lot of suspicion from Jewish people. The general reaction is, well, you don't look like us, you don't talk like us, you don't know our costumes and our our language and you know, many times in Israel we hear, oh, you're talking about a foreign God, you know, Jesus being a foreign God. Oh, oh, the irony, right? And so when we share with our family members, with our neighbors, we do that in Hebrew, we do that in uh, a way that is is compatible or, or within the Jewish framework or the, the Israeli frame of mind. And so people can still disagree but they all know that we are part and parcel of the Israeli society, of the Jewish world. And in a sense, they have to deal with us, uh, for lack of a better you know, way of putting it. And so um, this is absolutely being absolutely transformative for the gospel in, in Israel and I, I think to some degree around the world. I want to encourage you again to find out more about One for Israel, oneforisrael.org, an incredible organization that's making such a huge difference. And of course, uh, he mentioned uh, the Bible college that they have there. And that Bible college, Erez, has trained so many leaders there in the land of Israel that have been planted back into the land of Israel and are now making a difference. I don't think um, a, a lot of people may not understand the significance of that Bible college there that, that you all have in Israel. Well, yes. So most of the pastors and the spiritual leaders in Israel had, have been trained through our Bible college through the years. And so uh, that also means that One for Israel is blessed with um, you know, relationships all over the country, both the Messianic Jewish congregations and the Arab congregations and churches. And so we are by no means, I mean, we're not a denomination by any stretch, but we have good relationship with, uh, you know, all the brothers and sisters across the land. So, yes, God has used that uh, significantly as well. Well, let's turn to what's going on there in the land of Israel right now, Erez. And, of course, that is the war. Share your initial reaction uh, to October 7th, the massacre that took place there in Israel, and your thoughts on that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm usually uh, an early riser, but uh, that Saturday was, was a holiday and we had guests until late the previous night. So I actually slept in a little more than I'm used to. And about 6.15, 6.30, I woke up. I mean, we live on the, on the Jerusalem hills right overseeing the Mediterranean. We can see the Gaza Strip on a clear day. And so I was woken up by those strange explosions, but they were kind of distant and Initially, I thought, well, my neighbor is throwing something on my roof. Anyway, I got up and I look at my phone and I see all those alarms going on. And, um, you know, it's really, really strange. So, you know, we were, we were getting ready. I mean, we weren't, it was kind of early in the morning. So it was 6.30. Then around 7, a friend of mine, uh, the ones that the friends have visited the previous night, sends me a video that was later on in all the networks showing uh, terrorists in, in an Israeli city, the city of Zderot. And I replied back to him and I said, look, it's, it's fake news. It can't be. I mean, it can't be. It can't be true. It's got to be fake. But as the day unrolled, 
you know, we realized that it wasn't fake. It was actually happening. And, you know, many of our, you know, our uh, younger employees, many of our students, family members started texting that they're called to reserve duty. And uh, so we started realizing a bigger thing is going on around 8.30 in the morning. You know, uh, our pastor from the congregation where we worship calls me and he says, what do you think we should do? I said, look, I think we should cancel the meeting. We were going to have a festive, you know, celebration for Feast of Tabernacles that day. But we don't have a, a um, you know, like a safe room in the in a congregation that can that can host everybody. So basically all the congregations in Israel, including us, we canceled the meeting for that day. And just a very, very heavy, heavy feeling through the day as more and more news of the horrifying atrocities that have taken place, um, you know, continue to get to us. Uh, by the end of the day, it was clear that, you know, again, not the magnitude of the atrocities, but that war has broken and that um, many hundreds of people were kidnapped, that thousands were murdered and brutally and, uh, you know, just raped and burned and just really horrible, horrible stuff. And uh, just a very, very, very tough day and, and week, you know, in the next few days, of course, um, massive, uh, massive um, uh, draft to our reserves. The Israeli military is built in such a way that the regular army is a compulsory service of people 18 to 21. They do a compulsory service. And then when they're released, they do reserves duty until about 45, 40 to 45, depending on, on the unit years of age. So, you know, overnight, more than 350, 400,000 young men and women were drafted. And, and then the next days, we're starting to get phone calls and emails and texts from a lot of, um, a lot of people that we know including our own children and, like I said, our employees and students saying, hey, you know, we're X amount of hundreds of people in a, in a, in a barren field. You know, the logistics hasn't caught up yet. Can you send us a thousand mattresses or, or you know, charges for the phones or different things like that or, or meals? So basically, we, with all that going on, we stopped our regular ministry and everybody, all hands on deck type thing, we started engaging in, in humanitarian aid. So we started buying large quantities of uh, prepared meals and just wheeling them over. We started renting, you know, vans and cars and started driving things towards the front. Um, you know, we bought thousands of mattresses of, you know, uh, batteries for the phones, like, you know, battery bank for the phones, um, sleeping bags, jackets, coats, all those kind of things just by the thousands and just shipping them over. Uh, so it was absolutely a crazy first few weeks. And, and that basically keeps going on. Now, it's important for me to say the logistics of the Israeli military and, and basically the state of Israel have caught up. So most of the needs of the, uh, the military has been you know, fulfilled a couple of weeks into it. But then there was, I'm not sure if everybody's aware, but there were over 150,000 people that were evacuated from their homes, both in the south of Israel and the north of Israel, uh, both sides of the borders, towards central Israel. And so we started getting phone calls for 
you know, but basically sending buses to kind of evacuate people and bring them to hotel. The state basically paid for hotels. So all the hotels in central Israel for the past four months have been filled up with, you know, people that left their homes. And so, you know, being in a hotel room is fun for a family, maybe for a day. But, you know, if you're with your wife and three children in a hotel room uh, for more than a day, then, you know, it starts to be a little more chaotic. So then we started getting phone calls for helping different communities uh, set up a school, you know, in the hotel for their kids. So just buying, you know, school material or uh, different things uh, such as that. So we started responding to all those needs. And what's important for me to say, um, and sorry it's so long, but one, 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 one last thing that's really, really important. You know, as the war began, I personally and, and all of us at Once for Israel, we received thousands and thousands of phone calls and text messages and emails from friends all over the world saying, hey, we're praying for you. What can we do to help? And people started praying. And as they were praying, I think God moved their hearts and people started donating towards the needs. So we basically have been mobilizing the donations that people gave, you know, and and our friends are, you know, Bible-loving, God-loving believers in Jesus from the U.S. and all over the world. And we just started helping, um, you know, as I mentioned, in all those things in, in large quantities, uh, one thing that is very important for me to mention, particularly in the context of our conversation, you know, one, one community that uh, when we talk about mobilizing, let's say, 400,000 young men and women, uh, many of them, I mean, mostly men, and many of them are also husbands and fathers. Most of them are, actually. And they've not been with their families for four months. And their wives basically are home with the kids overnight, basically, for unknown period of time. Now we know it's already four months. So one thing we did, we just tried to show appreciation and some assistance to, you know, the moms and the wives and, you know, help them with practical things and several times and just little little things of appreciation for their effort. Um, so in the context of families in Israel during the war, it's, I guess, the two main efforts is the people that have lost their dear ones that they were killed or kidnapped just supporting them then the um you know the families that evacuated just helping them in in terms of gaining stability for the family life and work life and then the wives and the families of the soldiers in the front line so that's kind of been the effort and um again just want to say big thank you for all those that stood with us are standing with us as we endeavor to I stand in the gap at this time. Now, what I hear you saying is there's still a need for help because there, there's still a need for ongoing help for the families there. It's just a little different than when the war initially took place. Is that is that accurate? Oh, yeah, that's very true. So there's still several hundred thousand families that, you know, with the dads in the front lines or sometimes even the moms in the front lines, so they function as a you know partial family and just very very difficult you know for a mom to most moms in israel work and then they have the kids and the school and obviously emotionally for both the moms and the kids uh, it's not simple and and then there's also the families of the kidnapped there's still 136 
people kidnapped. These, these are civilians, elderly, children, women, men that are held hostage in absolutely inhumane conditions. And, you know, we can only imagine what this, what this must mean for their families. And then, uh, you know, families that lost their new ones. There are several thousand people that were murdered, both in the atrocities on October 7th and then later on in the military operation. And so just standing with the families, encouraging them, they lost their dear ones and the world will never be the same. So th this is still ongoing and going to be for a while. And then, of course, there's those that have been 150,000 people that have been evacuated from their homes for four months. Now, some of them have a home to go back to. Some don't even have a home to go back to. It was burnt or destroyed. So there's still a lot of need and uh, people need encouragement. I think our government is eventually going to take care of all the physical needs and they're going to rebuild their homes and all those things. But um, in the meanwhile, and particularly the emotional side of things, just not simple. We're talking to Dr. Eres Soroff, who was born in Israel, lives there with his wife and three children, and the ministry is One for Israel, One for Israel. And I just want to encourage you, uh, there is an ongoing need to help families there in Israel, and One for Israel is doing that in a lot of different ways. And if you're thinking about a way to bless the Jewish people, bless the land of Israel during this most difficult time that they are facing right now. Can I just encourage you to go to oneforisrael.org, oneforisrael.org. This is a ministry of integrity, and I can say this with confidence. You can donate confidently into One for Israel and what they are doing there in the land of Israel with total confidence. They're a ministry of financial integrity. And so I want to encourage you, please go to that website. The Lord's leading you to, to help and be a part of this. Oneforisrael.org. Oneforisrael.org. Erez, how is the body of Messiah, you know, reaching out to their communities, you know, with love and support? You got any examples? Because I know you are in touch, obviously, with um, the body of Messiah there, Jewish people who believe in Jesus are following Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus. Uh, what are you seeing there on, on the ground? So I think that, uh, you know, during this time of war, particularly because it started in such a abrupt and, 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 and again, cruel way, it shook, shook Israelis to the core. And many people are asking, you know, when, when we come to proximity with death, we often ask, existential questions is there is there something more if my dear one is in the front lines or something happened in my family and this was a small country we all know people that firsthand were you know hurt by the atrocities taking place and so the question then becomes well what is the meaning of all this where is it going and so we have found a significant increase both both through our one for israel channels you know when people write to us or call us or want to talk to us or meeting with us and both informally, you know, friends, neighbors, people that we just uh, meet, when they hear that we are, where we believe in the Bible, we believe in, in the God of the Bible, we believe in the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. So there's a lot of questions, but not just um, not just in a way that is anthropological, but in, in more of a personal way. What does, it, what does it mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for our people? And so we definitely see, you know, on the spiritual side, a whole lot more openness and like I said, because our friends all over the world in the United States and all over the world 
have given so generously. This enabled us to help practically in, you know, when, and when we, it's very important for me to state when we help practically to people, it's unconditional. So if we help, they don't need to believe like we do. They don't need to hear our message. None of it. I mean, it's, it's completely unconditional. What does happen, however, is that people would ask, well, who are you? Why are you helping us? And so we say who we are, you know, and, and it's just there's tremendous amount of interest and openness to um, spiritual things in general and the message of the Messiah, Jesus in particular, in Israel. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the spiritual climate and also to some degree the um, just the gener- generally in society what this war did. You know, Israel had five elections in the last very few years. So there's Israel is, was divided. What this war did, because it's such an existential war, it really brought the people of Israel together. And so um, the fact that the Messianic community, the Jewish believers in Jesus, you know, served in the army and were crying with those who cry, were uh, suffering with those who are suffering. We we do, like everybody else, what we can to alleviate the suffering a little bit, I think speaks volumes um, to the Jewish community in Israel and probably beyond. So in that respect, this horrible reality, God has used for good. Well, that's a beautiful testimony. And are, are you still seeing unity there in the land of Israel going on? You know, several months of this war. Uh, what's what's the what's the climate like right now there in the land of Israel? Yeah, it's it's actually a great question. So you know, four months into the war, the center of Israel, Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and beyond, the day to day feels fairly normal. We didn't have you know we didn't have alarms or we didn't have like rocket warnings for you know for many weeks now. And so people get up, they go to work, they go to their kids go to school or kindergarten or whatever it is, and it feels fairly normal. However, we all have new ones that have either suffered significant loss or are still in the in you know in, in the battlefield. Um, but because of the sense of normalcy, political arguments started to resurface in Israel, not nearly to the degree they were previously. But but they're there a little more. I mean, at the you know the first couple of months there was none of it whatsoever. Um, obviously, people are asking in the, in the generally in Israeli society, people are asking, well, who's to blame for this? I mean, this happened on October seventh. I mean, is it the government? Is it the army? Is it you know who's responsible? And and so I think this kind of talk begins now. What we keep hearing from soldiers in the front lines. They keep saying, hey, we are here from, you know, on the front lines. We're from all walks of Israeli society. And, you know, there's complete unity. And we expect that same community from the Israeli society, from the Israeli political arena. Um, so, again, it's better than what it used to be. It's it's not quite as united as it was, you know, in the first part of the, of the war. But um, I think, again, because of the existential nature of the situation, Israelis are coming together. That's the general sense of things. Well, that's some good news. And we're going to wrap up uh, 
the Middle East report here in just a moment, Erez. And by the way, we're talking to Dr. Erez, who is born in Israel, lives there with his wife and three children, and he heads up one for Israel. I encourage you to find out more about this wonderful ministry there in the land of Israel, oneforisrael.org, oneforisrael.org. So many ways for you to get involved with this ministry and organization. But as we wrap up things today, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time. How can we pray for the situation there uh, that's going on there in the land of Israel? I know you guys are big believers in prayer. Yeah, and thank you for asking. This is really this is really meaningful, and that's the first thing we would like people to do. Uh, so, in all candor, the first prayer request, you know, there's, as I mentioned, there's 136 civilians, older people, kids and babies, women and men, that are basically kept underground against any war treaty of any kind, and um, probably in poor health, many of them are in poor health, and just please pray for some sort of a miracle um, that they'd be released. Um, all of us are praying for this war to end and, and to end soon. Um, in all candor, I think both Israelis and Palestinians deserve a better situation. And I'll just express a sentiment that uh, is very prevalent here in Israel, uh, and that is that the uh, evil Hamas regime, the extreme Muslim uh organization that has taken forcefully taking charge of the Gaza Strip uh, will be removed and that the Palestinian people in the Gaza Strip will enjoy a more fair and and caring uh, regime and I think that would be good for um, Israel as well and ultimately also last thing that more and more Israelis and Palestinians will hear the good news of Yeshua Jesus the Messiah and turn their hearts towards him. That is the heartbeat of what you all do there, uh, Erez, just sharing uh, the Messiah with those there in Israel, both Jew and Arab. And of course, this is uh, led by Jewish people there in the land of Israel. And I just want to thank you for what you guys do there in the land of Israel. And and again, uh, I know you personally. I have met you. You know, I've seen the Bible College. It is a ministry of integrity. And those of you who are listening right now, if you're praying about, you know, an organization to donate to in Israel, can I just in- recommend and encourage one for Israel? They are a ministry of integrity, uh, completely. So when you give to them, their funds are accounted for, and they are doing an incredible work there in the land of Israel. So. If you're praying about an organization to, to get involved in, that is that is a great organization to consider. So check that out, oneforisrael.org, oneforisrael.org. Erez, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for joining us there from the land of Israel and all that you do there. We, we appreciate the work, the ongoing work of One for Israel in the land of Israel. Thank you so much, John, and shalom. I want to encourage you to please connect with One for Israel. They are doing so many good things there in the land of Israel. And you can find out more about their organization when you go to oneforisrael.org, oneforisrael.org, and you can donate to this ministry confidently. It's a ministry of financial integrity. And again, they're doing so much there in the land of Israel during this time of war in the land. 
That's oneforisrael.org. That's the Middle East Report. I'm John Riley. Thank you for listening. Podcasts of the show are available at AFR.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.